Shalom from Israel. This is Jonathan Feldstein with the Genesis 123 Foundation. I'm really excited to share with you a great inspirational story this week. Um, it was honestly a story that I had no intention of sharing whatsoever, but I have to tell you, it was so meaningful and so special and came about because of the help of so many people and in the wake of the, of the recent war that we had in Israel that I can't not share this incredible uh, story with you. This week, I had the really special privilege to attend a bar and bat mitzvah celebration of a group of children that I don't even know. Now, a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah is for a boy, a bat mitzvah is for a girl. In traditional Judaism happens when you're 12 years old for a girl and 13 year old, years old for a boy. It's sort of a coming, uh, uh, c- coming into adulthood celebration, at which point a uh, Jewish boy and girl, or in this case, young man and young woman, will accept upon him or herself the responsibilities. Uh, we're already part of the covenant with God, but uh, a bar and bat mitzvah is something that is typically where a boy or girl accepts upon him or herself the responsibilities of being a Jewish adult. And there's a lot that goes with it, and that's probably for another conversation or two. You've probably seen bar and bat mitzvahs depicted in various uh, uh, media and movies, and 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 it's very different in in uh, different communities. Uh, but this was a group celebration for a for a um, group of at risk youth from throughout central Israel. Now, normally this is not something that I would even know about or much less be involved with, or for that matter, invited to. That's not where I'm, uh, where I'm traveling these days. Um, We're at a stage of life where most of our friends are older and the the celebrations we go to are weddings of their children. Um, We're well past the age of bar and bat mitzvah for most of our uh, friends. And yet this was a really, really special celebration. And typically where where um, people celebrate their bar and bat mitzvahs, it's on an individual basis. It's more of an individual party um, made by a family and uh, and not a group celebration like this. But in Israel, there are a number of opportunities like that. Matter of fact, the president of Israel typically hosts a celebration for, um, for bar and bat mitzvah children of um, parents who have been killed in combat. And this was this one was a similar group celebration, but very, very different. Now, I went there to celebrate the important milestone and life cycle event for these teens. But honestly, and I'll tell you why, it felt more like people were thanking me than it was me congratulating them. And that was unusual. Um, but but as all of this was happening, as people were thanking me and coming up and shaking my hand and taking their pictures with me, all I could think was how privileged I was, truly, to be able to be there thanks to the support of many, many people like you from all over the world. And I was able to be your representative uh, to many people without whom I never would have had the opportunity. Now, by way of full disclosure, this week also uh, coincided 
with the end of two years of, of work that my youngest daughter did there in the context of her national service. Uh, quickly, national service is something that Orthodox Jewish women here in Israel have as an opportunity in place of military service. It's sort of like a uh, domestic Peace Corps where people work in hospitals and government offices and social service agencies like this youth village. And a youth village is typically where young children who come from homes where they're at risk and they're at risk sometimes, unfortunately, because of abuse, sometimes because of uh, the parents' um, mental illness or, or own trauma or inabilities to care properly for their children. And sometimes those abilities are financial. Um, but, but the truth of the matter is just because someone becomes a parent doesn't mean that they're always capable of, of uh, parenting or parenting well. That doesn't mean they don't love their children. It just means that they don't have these capabilities. And my daughter has worked there not quite as a volunteer, but basically, she was the national service um, uh, people, like in military here, earn a few hundred shekels a month, um, maybe several hundred shekels. They get room and board, typically, depending on where they're working. So I knew of the place because my daughter has been there and commuting to this place in central Israel for the last two years. And she just completed her two years of national service. Now you remember, you may remember back in May, we had a short, I'm not sure what to call it, war or conflict battle with Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terror groups in Gaza. This went on for the better part of two weeks during which Israel was bombarded with over 4,300 rockets that were fired by the terrorists aiming to the extent that they have aim to try to hit Israeli communities, to create as much damage, to create as much uh, destruction, to create as much death, and and do so with with purpose, um, aiming at civilian communities. And the some of the rockets reached uh, reached areas that were over a hundred kilometers away from where they were being fired by the terrorists in Gaza. Millions of Israelis, millions of Israelis of all backgrounds, lived with fear of the rockets being fired um, at any moment and not knowing which direction they were going, much less what the range uh, and and where they would end up. Fortunately, thank God, Israel has a system called the Iron Dome, where about 90% of the rockets that were aiming towards civilian populated areas are able to be shot down out of the air. And that's probably another uh, interesting topic for a conversation. That's a, um, a, a an innovation, a technology, and a defense tool that Israel has had, fortunately, for the last 10 years. But nevertheless, just out of curiosity, uh, excuse me, not curiosity, out of uh, caution, even when rockets are going to be intercepted and fired down, shot out of the air, which is incredible to watch. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And if you want to be in touch with me, I'm happy to send you even a, a, a video that we filmed from the bedroom of my house of rockets being fired from about 40 miles away. Um, even with that, because of the need for safety 
any time a rocket is fired toward toward any community once it's detected and it and it's able to be determined which direction it's going into what community air raid sirens go off and air raid sirens go off that could keep maybe if not millions in their bomb in their bomb shelters um all at the same time certainly tens of thousands and depending on where the rockets were aiming even hundreds of thousands of people one rocket could send hundreds of thousands of people to the bomb shelter so for that reason during the two week period many israelis didn't even leave their homes in order to stay at home they didn't go to work they didn't they didn't um, send their children to school actually many schools were closed and they were staying home so they could be for those who have bomb shelters like i do uh it's part of normal modern construction not all all older buildings have them but for those who do people wanted to stay home close to their bomb shelters now that's intuitive and it kind of brings us back to the story parents want to be able to take care of their kids parents want to make sure to know that their kids are physically okay not send their kids out of the house not knowing what's going to happen but also emotionally okay because it's traumatic and many of these rockets were fired in the middle of the night so it's not like you, you just happen to be awake and run to the bomb shelter if you're awake or or if you're lucky enough to hear the rockets uh, the, the air raid siren so then you have to wake up and wake up your family and get get into the uh, bomb shelter and in places close to gaza you have as few as 15 to 20 seconds to do so in some places further away you have a minute it's not a lot of time as you go through your life i encourage people always to think about what kind of um what kind of trauma they um they they would in, inflict and how much a, one minute of how little one minute is in your life that you're that you're able to um take cover uh, and, and think about the things that you wouldn't want to be caught in the middle of. Think about, for instance, being in a shower, how how scary that would be to take a shower uh, or, I, I don't know, in the middle of cooking something that you have to watch the timer for. That's really minor. Um, but there are a lot of things and a lot of trauma. So people didn't go to school. And because my daughter was there, she was sending pictures of herself and the other counselors who work with her in this youth village um, from their bomb shelter happens that they had a pool table or a ping pong table in their bomb shelter. So it wasn't totally boring, but it was not something that was safe and not something that was fun in the middle of the night to have to be waking up. And the moral of the story here is that trauma remains. Trauma certainly remains among people who who live near the Gaza border and for whom this has been a regular occurrence. But over the years, the terrorists have been able to assemble and fire rockets that have much longer range, putting millions of Israelis in, uh, in range and, and having the ability to strike major cities, including Tel Aviv, Netanya, which is along the coast, uh, further to the north of Tel Aviv, Beersheba, in the Negev Desert, the capital of the Negev that has a few hundred thousand people. Um, and, and by the way, ironically, the, te- the, the rockets knew no distinction, so they would be shot toward communities that are populated by Jewish Israelis, by Arab Israelis, that are mixed Arab and Jewish cities, and that added to the trauma. Now, my daughter is sending pictures 
and telling us that the kids, most of the kids in her program who are coming from homes where their parents don't have the abilities to care for them, that the, most of the kids didn't come. So think about it for a minute. And, this is, and it's sort of setting up why I went to this celebration this week. The kids come from homes where the parents aren't capable of, of taking care of the kids in a variety of reasons. And in, in more, more um, severe circumstances, a lot of the children are coming from homes where they have been taken out of the homes by, by so social services because of how unsafe they in fact are. And for that reason, this facility um, that's called the Alumim Youth Village, where my daughter was working, uh, has both an after-school program, kind of like outpatient, if you think of it, medical. And then they have a full residential program for kids for whom it's just not safe for their children to go back to their parents' homes, an inpatient program, residential, full-time. My daughter was working in the in the daycare, the, the, the after-school program. And so it's in that context that the children who are coming from homes where the parents can't take care of them properly, some of whom are, are, are suffering various forms of abuse and neglect, and now the, they're, they're stuck in their homes and they can't go to the place, the one place, the, the, the youth village, where the, it's their safe space where children are cared for and nurtured the most and they can't go there because that's not safe. So when the Genesis one, two, three foundation launched its Israel emergency relief fund back in May to help care for some of the people who are the most vulnerable and most impacted and still suffering the most because of the war, we found that while the rockets stopped, the traumas remained and the needs are tremendously great. So my daughter happened to mention that they were trying to put together a group celebration for all the boys and girls in the, in the, um, in the youth village that were coming of age or, or who had come of age to celebrate this bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah uh, together as a group. Now, when they're together, they're like best friends. These are the, these are the, the, the social group, the, the, support network that the, that the children have. So that was, that was normal. That was intuitive. But the fact that their parents weren't involved, the parents didn't make their sons and daughters the bar and bat mitzvah celebrations, that's unusual. And then when they're coming from schools where, where other peers of theirs have homes that, that are safe, where they're celebrating their friends' bar and bat mitzvahs together in an environment that that is different from where the the at-risk children come from. It makes them feel all the more different and, and even at risk because they there's a profound difference between between that. So my daughter said to 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 us, her parents and and everyone else, we're trying to make a celebration. They were trying to raise. Uh, several thousand, maybe 10,000 shekels, and they would do whatever they could. They didn't really have a budget. They just figured however much they could raise, they would do their best. And you see what's interesting here is this is something normal, normally that a family would take care of, that these are family milestones and they're celebrated by the wider community. 
Um, but again, the children came from a place or come from a place where that wasn't possible. So the counselors, my daughter included her friends and the staff decided they would put together a celebration that would allow them to be able to feel that in the year of that was marked by their bar and bat mitzvah, but there was also suffering from the trauma of war where they're feeling especially unsafe in their homes. And even in that safe space, that they would do something that was a celebration as a community to mark this really, really wonderful, important life cycle event. So they, when they grow up, they won't look back on their bar and bat mitzvah as a time of trauma, but a time of joy. So the Genesis One Two Three Foundation stepped up to sponsor the bar and bat mitzvah celebration with this group of people. As, as an individual, me and my wife contributed along with many others, and it was grateful to do that. But because we had the funds from the emergency uh, relief fund, we were able to step up and provide thousands of shekels. And it wasn't thousands of shekels of our money, it was thousands of shekels that was donated by Jews and Christians all over the world. And it was one of the several ways in which we were make, able to make a really tangible and meaningful impact among those who were harmed the most by the barrage of rockets that happened during those two weeks and the threat and trauma that still lingers. Um, To give you just one illustration of the kind of uncertainty in the lives of these children, I asked about one of the 12-year-old girls, and I'll speak about her and the others in in a minute, I asked, just curious, where does she live? And I was told, this is almost a direct quote, sometimes she lives with her mother, sometimes she lives with her father, sometimes she lives with an aunt, but we never really know day to day. And you can imagine, you can imagine no matter where you're coming from, the trauma, the, the uncertainty of something like that, that children... If, if the counselors don't know where they are, how can the children have any sense of stability? How do they know even how to get to school one day or the next if they're going to school if, or, or where to keep their clean clothes or who's doing their laundry? You know, these are really things that can traumatize a child. So, so when I went there and I saw, I saw the counselors working with the children, and I have to say, maybe it's not coming across now, because it was already a few days ago. But boy, it was so emotional to see the, the response, to see how they pulled out no stops to make the celebration beautiful and perfect for each of the kids. And I want to point out that it wasn't just a celebration for their kids. Many of them included their parents and siblings so that there were hundreds of people there all celebrating one another together. And the children who have this special bond of friendship, and it's fun to see pre-adolescent teenage children interacting with one another, the boy and girl thing, the girls each wanting to look prettier than the next. Um, It was really very special to see that dynamic. But the counselors who really spearheaded this, my daughter being one of them, went so out of their way. So 
everything was donated except for two things, the food and the magnets. And there was sushi and there were drinks and there was some magnificent cakes and desserts. One cake, unfortunately, I didn't take a picture of. It was made by one of the kids and looked professional. Um, Maybe that was donated. I don't want to misrepresent. And then there was a guy there whose business is making magnets, you know, the kind that has your picture on it, that you can go to a party and take a picture with somebody and have it put on a magnet, which you can stick on your refrigerator or somewhere else. Those are the only two things that weren't donated. And everything else, everything else from the gifts to that each of the kids was was uh, received a basket that that for the girls included um, all kinds of you know girl things teenage girl things and boys for teenage boy things each of the kids each child I, I don't know who donated this but I'm in awe each child re- also received a new tablet that's a big deal because when they see their kids coming from homes that are not at risk that are receiving presents for this life cycle event. It makes them feel bad if they're not receiving anything. And so someone stepped up and donated that. And someone stepped up and donated dozens of beautiful dresses, most of them white, because in Israel, we refer to the bar and bat mitzvah child as the, um, as the uh, in Hebrew, it sounds better, the, 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 the bride of the bat mitzvah or the groom of the bat mitzvah. So it was, so it was appropriate. They were wearing beautiful white dresses. And the boys were wearing fresh, brand new white shirts. And it was so cool because you could identify who they were based on the fact that they had just been unwrapped. And there were still, you know, creases in the shirt, like you see that some people will iron out, but these boys didn't. They just put the shirts on right away. And they all looked so great. And they looked beautiful. And all of that was donated more than more than they needed, much more than they needed. And that was incredible, too. And then in addition to the shirts and to the dresses that the girls could pick and try on, uh, try on their dresses and figure out what they looked, what they wanted to look like, how they looked prettiest. Um, it was amazing to see. And, and also all of the children took home their dresses and, and their uh, shirts. So it was just another special treat for them. But I have to say one of the things that was, that really blew me away it wasn't just that they put dresses and shirts on during the afternoon of the party prior to the party. I don't know how many several or more professional hairstylists and makeup artists came together at the, at the Alumim youth village to dress up the girls, to make them look and feel extra special. They donated their time and lots of TLC because they wanted to be part of this celebration. So you had women, I think they were all women, who were doing the girls' hair. And some of the girls didn't like how the hair came out. So they had to undo the hair. And, and, and it was with time and with patience and with love, even though this wasn't a job for which they were being hired. And, it, and they didn't know the children. They were volunteering to make the children happy. And I met one of these volunteers. My daughter told me that she said, Abba, it's really cool. There's a lady who, who just came, who's, who made Aliyah, who's a new immigrant from New York. And she doesn't really speak Hebrew. So she, my, she being my daughter, was the translator. She, this woman, her name is Sarel. She heard about the opportunity through some social media thing and volunteered. Uh, she, but, but honestly, she told me she had no idea really where she was volunteering 
or what she was doing or who the kids were. She just knew it was something that was good and she wanted to participate to give back. Now, because this woman, Sorel, had limited Hebrew, when I was explaining, my daughter was there working with the kids. She wasn't really meant to hold hands of the volunteer, but when I was explaining who the kids were and what the program was about, she got emotional. And she, and I'm getting emotional just thinking about how emotional she got because then she understood the impact that she was making. And, and, but she didn't understand how and why we have children in Israel with problems like this. She asked me about that. And I, uh, and, you know, we're living here almost 20 years. It's actually this week is, is our 17th anniversary so we've been around the block a lot, and, and we know that Israel's not a perfect society. We know Israel has many problems, and we're human beings with our strengths and weaknesses, just like anywhere else in the world. And you have people who suffer poverty and mental illness and physical limitations and other range of problems that exist anywhere else in the world. And I'd love to believe that we're better here on a per capita basis, but I don't know, and that's not the point. The point is, is that there are social service um, what's the word? Nets, networks that serve as nets. So when people fall, there's someone to catch them. There's someone to help to help them. And that's the purpose of these youth villages. And then to be able to see how important they are. And, and if it was only through the eyes of this one woman, Sarel, who was doing the hair of one of the girls who was particularly picky about how she wanted her hair done. Um, it, it made everyone feel good. And the children afterward just looked and behaved happy. They were joyous. They were running around amongst one another. I only saw the girls because only the girls were having their hair and makeup done. And I got to see this. And then I, I left and I came back a few hours later and I got to see their parents and siblings also be joyous and also join them for the celebration. And it's interesting that while the, the food vendor that, the, that was hired that we contributed to, right? That we were the largest donor to this whole bar and bat mitzvah celebration. Um, as the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, we got to see that they were making all kinds of really beautiful, cool, exotic pizzas, baking them right there, baking them on this big field in a in an oven that was plugged into some building some distance away, making fresh pizza. Now, but I was thinking to myself as I watched this, you know, any parent could theoretically invite kids to a party and 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 order a bunch of pizzas. But, it, but even something as simple as that would be difficult and traumatizing for the parent so the kids go without. But that was so special that we were able to participate as the Genesis One Two Three Foundation and that I was able to participate there on behalf of so many other people. And what I realized, as I said already, despite the fact that we had a war this year, the year that they mark that time, uh, that time of coming of age, of, of what we hope is maturation and, and growing, growing as young adults, as young Jewish adults in the, in the land of Israel, that despite the war, despite a time of trauma, 
thanks to this, these children will be able to look back on that experience as a time of joy, as a time of celebration. And even, and it's maybe very, maybe not very inappropriate, but a little inappropriate to say, because I don't know their parents and I don't know what troubles or limitations the parents have. But I have to believe that hopefully in some level, setting up that positive model of how to celebrate their children and, and, and what that looks like physically will hopefully give the parents a different model as to how to interact with their children, both the boys and girls who celebrated their bar and bat mitzvahs this past week, as well as all of the other children that they're raising. Give them a, a positive model because sometimes it's just a matter of someone coming from a, a place where they were themselves at risk and not knowing because they didn't have any positive role models in parenting themselves. So this was amazing for us to be at. And what I realized is that going through this whole experience, maybe we can't change the circumstances that they come from, but we can sure change things in their lives in the present. So they will no longer be looked at as youth at risk or look at themselves as youth at risk. That's probably the most important, how they look at themselves, but to look at themselves as children of promise people who can do anything. If you were following the Genesis one, two, three foundation back in May and June, when we raised the money, I went down to a uh, border a city that borders the, the Gaza strip um, and, and is the closest city to the Gaza and has suffered for at least two decades, maybe more tens of thousands of rockets being fired. The good news, by the way, there is the rockets have gotten more sophisticated. So now many of them fly over the the border communities. But the bad news is that many millions more Israelis live under under this rocket fire. Um, We allocated a lot of money out to communities straight along the border because we understand the trauma that these children go through. But we also allocated money, like for this bar and bat mitzvah celebration, to children and and communities that are a hundred kilometers away from Gaza because they're not even used to the, the, the trauma of being uh, rockets being fired at their communities. So for them, and I don't know if it's appropriate to measure what kind of trauma there is uh, among, among um, kids based on where, on where they live and the, the distance from Gaza and how many rockets it's traumatizing to everybody. It's just traumatizing differently. So we were able to do that. Now, of course, I pray that there will be no more rocket fires. Uh, Israel has a great uh, means of defending itself. Thank God for that. Thank God we do have that because without that, not only would there be, would there be many, many, many uh, Israeli casualties, but there would also be many, Arab casualties, because any significant attack on a on an Israeli community would would be met with a with a um, really harsh response. And since, and this is actually another great piece of the story that I didn't even think to to mention until now, 
You see, while Israel invests in security networks, whether it's the Iron Dome to keep the country safe as the whole, or a social service program like a youth village, where we recognize that there are parents who don't have the means, the ability to take care of their own children. Unfortunately, the terrorists who are our neighbors use their children. They hide behind their children. And many of the most um, uh, sophisticated means of attacking us, weapon dispensaries, rocket launchers, uh, storerooms where things are kept and, and manufactured, that takes place within civilian communities so that the terrorists use their civilians, particularly their children, as uh, protection, as cover for their own activities. And, and consequently, Israel knows where many targets are, but doesn't hit back because of the probability of civilian casualties. We try to avoid that on both sides. And that's another conversation. I don't mean to, to get political in this, but but just as a fascinating aside, here we are celebrating the bar and bat mitzvah of these incredibly beautiful children who just have a, an incredibly prosperous life to look forward to, but they don't know it because of the circumstances from which they come. So the fact that we are able to provide that, and I was able to be there as an Israeli citizen, proud of what my country does, but as the president of the Genesis 123 Foundation, proud and tremendously grateful of the incredible show of support that came mostly from Christians, but Christians and Jews, as we do everything to build bridges between Christians and Jews. And we don't distinguish or discriminate. It was such a privilege to be able to be there. So if you didn't donate, if you're listening to this and it is a new podcast, that's fine. That's great. Um, But I hope that my sharing this story has given you a different understanding and appreciation of an element of life in Israel. That's what we try and do. And I, that's why I had to share this because our program is called inspiration from Zion and indeed it's inspiring. And if you did donate and you now are hearing for the first time or for the 10th time, because of all the videos that I did back in, uh, in May and June showing where we were dispersing the money. I hope you have that extra sense of gratitude and uh, that you were able to be part of this and that I was able to be there on your behalf. Cause honestly, without us, this wouldn't have happened. We were the largest donor by far to make the bar and bat mitzvah celebration possible. I don't know what they would have had. Could the kids have lived without sushi? Absolutely. Could they have ordered pizzas, which may have been cheaper than having pizzas made on, on site? Maybe they could have. Maybe they maybe they wouldn't have had brand name drinks. Maybe they would have had um, the grocery brands. I don't know, but we were able to make that happen, and I'm so grateful for that because it was, despite the war, we, we pray that there won't be any more of this. But despite what happened and the trauma that took place in these children's lives, this year and this milestone will be remembered by them as a time of joy, and I pray as a as a cornerstone of 
the foundation, their foundation, as future young adults than parents themselves who have a positive um, self-image and a positive models to look to as they raise their own families and become responsible citizens here in the state of Israel. I want to wrap up just by thanking you for joining us again. Um, We're so grateful that this podcast has been sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, I haven't been there yet. So if you're anywhere near Culpeper, Virginia, and you need things that a greenhouse would provide, that's your that's your address and if you're and if you don't need trees or plants or anything else that's in a greenhouse go in and give them a hug and thank them for helping to make this possible and also to thanks to our friends the coin family um, you're welcome to contact us about sponsoring future episodes. We want to be able to share your milestones, your joys and 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 if there's grief in your life, if there's someone that you like to sponsor a uh, podcast. Uh, episode in memory of or in honor of if you have a special birthday or anniversary please let us know if you've got special prayers last week we we were able to pray for our friend ann harrison and uh and if you've got special prayer requests we're really great uh privileged to be able to do that we really view this as an interactive podcast even though you're not with me live and therefore i hope that you'll be in touch by email at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com, where you can share your questions, you can share your interests, give me feedback on what you're, what you're learning and what you want to know more about, and specifically with our sessions that we, that we will be doing a series of called Ask the Rabbi. What do you want to know? What do you want to know about traditional Judaism that, you, that you've always been dying to ask and never had that opportunity? We're here for that. We're here to create understanding and inspiration. And we're really grateful for this opportunity. So I want to just wrap up by saying thank you to everybody for joining us, for the sponsors who make this possible, and to each and every one of you, um, praying that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy. God bless you.